My name is Tony McGeehee, and you're listening to Emerging Entrepreneurs. I want to connect you to incredible stories and people that you may have never heard before. Each guest shares an inspiring story or advice to help the unbelievable become achievable on your journey to success. Now, are you ready to emerge? Welcome back to the second episode in the e-commerce collection. If you are looking for a new favorite podcast, welcome home. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Today I have a very special guest. His name is Jordan Gross. He is the founder of Cloud9 Living. He's a two-time author, three-time founder, and a TEDx speaker. In this episode, we talk about what he learned from his first corporate job after graduating that helped him focus on his mission as an entrepreneur how he built up the confidence to publish his first book, the things you need to do to create engagement on your content, walkthrough of his morning routine of getting comfy, which is an acronym that you'll find out a little more in the episode, how he monetizes his online business, how to better understand what your passion is and the steps Jordan takes to help people find their passions, and what a cloud nine life is to Jordan, and so much more in between all of that. There's so much great content. This is one of the longest episodes of the podcast that I've done, and I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode with Jordan. It was one of my favorite interviews that I've gotten the chance to do. He's just so genuine and authentic, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Be sure to take a screenshot of this episode and connect with me to stay up to date with the podcast on Instagram, at Tony McGeehee, and on Facebook, at Emerging Entrepreneurs Podcast. Leave a rating and subscribe to the podcast to be the first one to listen to new episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, share this episode with a friend. Now, without further ado, let's jump right in. Welcome back to Emerging Entrepreneurs, everyone. I'm excited to be back for the second episode in this collection of e-commerce entrepreneurs. Today, I'm here with Jordan Gross. He is the executive coach at Cloud9 Living, founder of Cloud9 Living as well. He's a two-time author, three-time startup founder, and a TEDx speaker. Lots of things on that resume. Jordan, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Hey, Tony. Thank you so much for having me Um, on the Emerging Entrepreneurs Podcast. I can't wait for this one. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to chat. Let's see where this thing goes. For sure, man. So just to start out, you know, I just listed all those things off, so... Let's go ahead yeah. and talk a little bit about and you know, talk about Cloud9 Living. Yeah. Um, talk about being an author, uh, the businesses that you founded and, and what it's like to, to be a speaker as well. Yeah. So that's a great start. I haven't gotten that one yet, but I'll dive right in. I'll, I'll try to go chronologically based on those categories. So um, did you say two-time founder or three-time founder? I forgot what I put. I said, I said three-time founder. Three-time founder. That's what you had on LinkedIn. So. Yeah, three-time founder is what it is. Um, not, they, you know, they all panned out differently. But so yeah. basically, the first thing that I founded was during my junior year of college. And when I was a sophomore in college, my grandfather passed away from Alzheimer's. And I was at his funeral and I went up and I gave an impromptu eulogy and I said there in public, I'm going to do something at Northwestern in order to help combat Alzheimer's or at least provide an outlet for support um, from the undergraduate community for people who are affected by Alzheimer's. Fast forward a year, I started an Alzheimer's awareness organization at Northwestern where we provided 
support groups, we did volunteering, we did education, and we did fundraising, all in an effort to spread awareness for our own uh, cognitive neurology and Alzheimer's disease center. So all the money went there. Then we had a really great partnership with them. We raised like over $43,000 in our couple of months of, of existence right off the bat. Um, got nominated for best student group. Um, we're runners up for that. And then it led to great opportunities for myself. I ended up serving on a nonprofit board. Um, I ended up serving as a junior board member for our Northwestern Cognitive Neurology and Alzheimer's Disease Center. And then um, it really actually led me into this whole world of like leadership and entrepreneurship. That was the first experience that I had. So fast forward to my master's program. So after I finished up school, I went into a master's program in management studies at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management. And honestly, Tony, the work was challenging and it was a great program, but I had a lot of free time, if that makes sense. So I really tried to dive into the entrepreneurial world from a startup point of view a little bit more. And I was adding value to different companies in the Chicago area, just, you know, little marketing things here and there, helping with a little bit of strategy from what I was learning in my business classes. And that ultimately led to me wanting to start my own startup company while I was in school. So with a couple of friends from the program that we were in, we decided uh, one rainy Sunday that it was too overwhelming to make a food delivery order in a normal amount of time. So we basically said, uh, let's, do, let's do something about this. And we came up with a startup company called Feed My Mates, where we basically had one option for people. It was meal or no meal. And then I cooked all the food and then we delivered it around Chicago. So that was, that was startup number two, two-time founder. And then the funny story with that is that as, just as a treat, like a little, you know, thank you for being a customer, I attached a dessert to the meals that we were sending out. And my mom bakes these unbelievable dessert cookies. They're called mandels, and it's from the Jewish tradition uh, of mandel bread baking. But... I decided to call them momadils because my mom was making them. My mom has multiple sclerosis. So I capitalized the M, I capitalized the S and I was like, these are momadils, right? And they're going to support MS. People love the momadils. And uh, next thing I knew I was selling momadils and creating that third business off of the second one. So that was the three X founder um, story. So then we have what was next two time author, right? So Basically, I had a corporate job after that management program. I didn't decide to pursue any of the startup ventures that I did or that I was helping. And I went into corporate leadership and management at a big restaurant group. I still tried to follow that passion into the restaurant and food world. And after a couple of months, I was basically like, uh, this is not the world for me. I'm not making the impact that I want. So what can I do? What 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 did I like from this? Like, what did I like from my past experiences? So I ultimately decided I had to do something that I was going to grow it from the ground up. I had to do something that was going to add value to other people. And I had to do something where I was building and maintaining relationships. So with that, I realized I had like 75 pages in a Word document based off of reflections and my own stories of the personal growth and development podcasts and books that I was reading and listening to. So I went to that document and I said like, okay, 
I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to help people. I'm going to use my relationships to get it out there and it's going to be mine. So I'm building it from the ground up. And I decided to write that first book. So it's called Getting Comfy, Your Morning Guide to Daily Happiness, all about really waking up in the morning and overcoming stress and anxiety with a really great morning routine. And that was book number one. And then now what I'm doing these days is a book called The Journey to Cloud Nine. So Cloud Nine Living, my new company is all about how you can create moments of really pure euphoria within your life. So they're like these transformative life experiences that you can look forward to, but also they're these daily cloud nine moments that you can have um, even in the most dire of circumstances or, or poorest of days um, so that you can really come from a place of happiness and gratitude and optimism. So that's the second book. That's actually going to be a fiction book and uh, that's in the editing process. So that's what's going on there. And I think the last thing is speaker or TEDx speaker. So uh, again, like the value of relationships through just connecting with somebody on LinkedIn and having a really genuine and authentic conversation. I was invited to a TEDx talk in upstate New York at Clinton Middle School. And I gave a talk about getting comfy, the first book actually, where it was about first getting comfy in your own skin. Then second, once you do that, you deliberately push yourself and get uncomfy outside your comfy zone. And then the third part was all about how to actually get comfy with the uncomfy. So that was the implementation of the routine in and of itself. And I think that uh, very long-windedly answers your question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, that's a lot, definitely, for, yeah. for how young you are. Um, yeah. Really accomplished for, for what you've done. And so this is kind of something that I've been curious about. And I feel like yeah. other people probably feel this way too, you know, writing one book alone is pretty impressive, but you know, you've written two books now. Mm -hmm. How did you get to the point where you thought, you know, what you had written was worth putting out because you know, there's so many people who have, yeah. who have done similar things who, you know, make millions, billions of dollars or kind of in the yeah. same space and entrepreneurship and everything. And they put books out. Mm -hmm. So did you ever feel like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't put this out. You know, there's better books out than that or, you know, what, what made you finally decide and realize, okay, I need to put this out? Yeah, so that's a phenomenal question. And for me, it was really taking the, the micro steps in order to get to the book, right? So writing, I've never been a writer in my life. I actually, I can pretty clearly remember in third grade, like writing and then getting a bad grade and crying about it. Um, I ended up being a pretty decent writer moving forward for the rest of my academic career. But anyway, like in college, I stayed totally away from the writing world. I think I wrote maybe a couple essays in my freshman seminar class, and then I studied economics and business the rest of the time. So I think the reason why I started to really like writing after school was because I wasn't being told how to write a certain way. I was writing the way that I wanted to using my own voice. You know, like we're always told, don't use I, my, or me. Well, every single thing I've ever <laughs> written since then has had I, my, or me because I'm using all of my own stories within what I'm putting out to people. Yeah. So once I was doing that, I, uh, I didn't just self-publish right away, but what I did first was started to post on Medium. Have you heard of that website? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, uh -huh. so on medium.com. And on Medium, I would post these short form articles, like five minute reads, seven minute reads, somewhere in that range. And that was what little by little 
gave me the confidence to put out more of this larger, more comprehensive book, right? Because I was seeing that people were reading what I had to say on Medium. I was getting comments. I was getting their thing as claps. Um, and I was engaging with a lot of different people. So yeah, I had already, I already had the manuscript ready to go for getting comfy, but like this was what really said, okay, I think what I have to say is going to resonate with people and I'm just going to put it out there. So I'm also very much a person who I fear the what if so much more than I actually fear the what. So in that moment, I was so much more scared of what would have happened had I not put the book out than I actually was to go out there and put the book out. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes perfect sense. I completely yeah. understand. Um, what if is always a big, uh, big thing for me as well. You know, I yeah. always think, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? You know, right? Yeah. Um, or what if you don't do this? Yeah. Don't exactly. Do that. Yeah, that too. Uh, so with putting out that content originally on on Medium, and now I'm sure you know you post uh, short and long form content yeah. on websites like LinkedIn and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's becoming so much more popular, especially on LinkedIn, you know, Mm -hmm. you see so many people starting to post, you know, their own content on there. So do you think that there's a strategy that you started to utilize and kind of gained over time while posting? Or was it more just you started to gain traction once you started posting more consistently or, or kind of what was, the secret sauce for, for being successful and getting those claps and getting engagement on your content that you're posting. Yeah. hundred percent. I do think there is some sort of a strategy, but I, it's still up in the air as to what pieces of content are going to be successful or unsuccessful. But I will say I, the reason why I'm so confident that there is a sort of strategy is because I did the same thing on medium as I did on LinkedIn, as I did on Instagram when I was growing on there a little bit, um, as I will do on like any other platform that ever comes out in the world was I came from a place of value first. So I always came from a genuine appreciation for what other people are doing. So for example, on LinkedIn, before my posts were even like a hundred views, let alone where I'm at now, like two likes, one comment, even when I was posting things like that, I was all over LinkedIn following the people whose posts were getting big time engagement and whose posts were really resonating with me. Yeah. And you know what I did, Tony, was I actually crafted meaningful responses and comments to those posts. So like sometimes they'd be like three to five paragraphs, right? And actually mm-hmm. that's what would get me like 50 likes on somebody else's yeah. post. And then what that does is that gives people, you know, a forum to start conversing based off of what I said. They yeah. like my comments and they want to connect with me and then they want to see what I have to say in my own content. So it kind of spiraled from there. It was always about other people. It was always about promoting what other people had to do in my content. It was always about um, going on to these posts and, and having conversations with my connections uh, coming from this place of, hey, I want to support what you're doing. Um, and then ultimately the human brain functions in a way where even if I didn't say to them, Hey, let's do a little exchange. You like mine. I like yours. I would, I I'm not a person who would say something like that. Um, it was just natural for them to look at what I was putting out there and gladly or luckily my content was somewhat good and then people would start and then it sort of became a domino effect from there. So 
that's Tony, how I would say to begin your journey on growing on a platform. But then now that I have sort of a, a following, it still sounds weird to say that um, it's about experimentation, trial and error. And for me, it comes down to consistency with my posting. So I think it's really nice when people know what they're going to receive. So what I mean by that is my content calendar on LinkedIn is every Monday, I post something called a hashtag quote your connections where I will do a quote from somebody who's in my network, like not a Tony Robbins or a Simon Sinek or Hal Elrod, right? Like I'll quote you, Tony, and I'll be like, this is what Tony had to say. Here's what he's up to. And this is the power of quoting my connections because people in our lives say some really cool stuff. So that's Monday. Tuesday, I do a cloud nine video. So it's a 90 second video where I've, I'm interviewing somebody and they share basically a story of the happiest that they've ever been in their lives. So it's just a really nice way to inspire, to spread positivity and optimism. Wednesday, I'm going on this 90 podcasts in 90 days journey. And I've been pretty vocal about that on LinkedIn because I want to spread that message of, hey, here's what it takes in order to be resilient, um, be strategic, reach out to people, face rejection, right? Um, in starting something from the ground up. So every Wednesday, I'm updating people with the podcast journey, you know, the episodes that I've been on, uh, the episodes that are out to listen to. Thursday, I do another one of those cloud nine moments. So every Tuesday and Thursday, I do the cloud nine moments. And then Friday, I think something that's great for engagement on LinkedIn is posing questions where people can write their own responses. So Fridays, and I always like to think a little bit differently than everybody else. So rather than just like a question that's like, tell me about, you know, something that you always see all over the place. I'm really trying to pose a question that's outside of normal thoughts. So like tomorrow, I think I'm posting something that's related to um, like, tell me your best story about when you were pleasantly surprised. Right. It's just it's it's things where it gets people thinking a little bit more. That's one of my ultimate goals is to get people to elicit emotions that they don't normally tap into. So that's what I'd say is that with that those five days, people know what to expect. So they're like, oh, it's Thursday, like Jordan's coming out with the Cloud Nine video today. I can't wait to watch it. So um yeah, now I think it's it's about that. Yeah, that's awesome. I never thought about that for mm -hmm for content purposes and in, in terms of how you said you started with, you know, commenting on other people's posts yeah. to, to get engagement on not necessarily the posts that you've made or the posts you make in the future, but even just getting yeah. engagement on those comments. So, yeah, you know, I, I had always thought about it in the terms of what you talked about, about seeing what the people who are getting a lot of engagement did and then commenting on their stuff and then they kind of start looking mm -hmm. at your stuff and it's mm -hmm. kind of a flow like that but i'd never thought of it in terms of you know the the comment section and other people seeing that so that's a yeah. that's a really cool perspective yeah um, and, can I, and if i can offer one more thing there for anybody yeah. who's looking to like grow on a social media platform and this it applies to Instagram too. I'm not sure. I'm not too big on Facebook or Twitter, but definitely LinkedIn and Medium. So it's about meaningful comments too, right? It's not just going on somebody's page and writing, love this or so true. You know, it's, it's about crafting an appropriate response to the message that's being put out there. And actually the one thing that really worked for me in the beginning was posing really great questions. 
So I noticed that everybody on LinkedIn or Medium just wanted to share their own story related to what the content creator was putting out there. And that's great. Like it led to some really good stuff. I did that at times too. But what people weren't really doing was allowing or forcing the content creator to think a step further or like dive a little bit deeper into what the message was that they were trying to share. So I would say like, yeah, it's a great story, but uh, I was actually thinking about this based off of a book that I was reading or a podcast that I listened to. And then it actually led to somebody on Medium, like now I have this friend, Mike Thompson, who's a top writer on Medium, messaging me and saying like, wow, if you keep asking these kinds of questions, like you are going to go far in this world because content creators put stuff out there and it's great to get the likes and the claps and whatever. But at the end of the day, if they see somebody who's like really invested and is willing to push the envelope a little bit further, then that's what's going to stand out. And at the end of the day, I think you're trying to stand out as a content creator. So that's a little, little tidbit that I would add. Yeah, for sure. Standing out, especially today with how much more popular it's becoming is so huge. And yeah, we even think about how popular it's becoming but it's funny to think that in 10 years, that's when it'll be popular. Right now, it's not yeah. popular yet. Still. Right. So we're ahead of the game. And we're we, ahead of the game. We, we think it's so popular, but I mean, it's still in almost the early adopter stage kind of. And so mm-hmm. um, it's just crazy to think about. And so I know that these episodes are about e-commerce, but I got to ask you about one more thing before we, yeah. before we kind of jump over to that side of the conversation. Sure. Uh, you mentioned earlier um, when you're talking about your books and everything uh, about your morning routine. So talk about the importance of your morning routine to you and the importance of a morning routine to anyone. And what is your morning routine? Okay. So the last part of that, we're going to do something fun. I like to do an interactive morning routine. Uh, So you and I'll do that together or we'll do part of it together. Um, But yeah, the first question was the importance of a morning routine in and of itself. Yeah. So I am, I am greatly inspired by Hal Elrod, who wrote a book called The Miracle Morning. So a lot of what I say about this, you know, comes from his thoughts, but I just like to echo them. Um, So basically, we all wake up in the morning. I think that's something that we have in common. And when we're all waking up in the morning, we have this opportunity to either allow the day to control us, or we can control the day. So having a morning routine where you focus on yourself and doing something that you want to do rather than something that you have to do, it literally changes the scope of how the rest of the day is going to go. That's number one. Number two is if you have an unbelievable morning, no matter what happens the rest of the day, you can look back and say, you know what, like, wow, my morning was unbelievable. Um, So at least part of my day was great, right? Because you're starting there. So those were the two things. And what was, what was your second question again? Um, I was asking, the importance of your morning routine to yourself oh, my, and, then my, the, and then the importance of a routine in general for anyone. Yeah. So that's definitely the general part of things. And the importance of the morning routine for me is, is it has a lot to do with the importance of it for anybody. But for me at this point, it's like what happens more so if I don't do the morning routine so right now it's really uh, that it's a routine it's a habit right so if i yeah. skip out on my morning routine then my day feels totally 
out of my control. It feels chaotic. It feels rushed. It feels so out of the, out of the ordinary that it's like, I'm not really sure what's going on, right? I need that morning routine at this point in order to have a sense of normalcy and a sense of confidence and energy going into the rest of the day, right? And I think that last piece is the most important. My morning routine energizes me. And if I were to wake up, uh, you know, hit, hit stop on the alarm clock, snooze for eight minutes, and then head to my first thing for the day, I would be so lethargic getting there, right? So yeah. rather, if I wake up 30 minutes early, I do the, the comfy routine that we're about to go through, and I head to that first thing of the day that I need to be at, I'm going to be in such a better place than I would have been had I not done the morning routine, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. All, All right, right. So the, the fun part. Yeah. Um, here yeah. we go. So like I said, it's my morning routine is comfy, C-O-M-F-Y. And they are buckets of recommendations that I have. So we'll start like this, Tony. Okay. Um, let's do this together. So three seconds in through the nose, three seconds out through the mouth. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. So like you and I are doing a very quick morning routine right now. Mm -hmm. So C stands for calm, right? So when you wake up in the morning, we're all startled by that alarm clock, right? And that beautiful dream is interrupted by whatever it is that's going on in our lives, right? Yep. So in order to overcome this initial, you know, jumpy reaction we have to waking up, I want to start the day by coming from a place of calm. So what you and I just did was deep breathing, which is always nice, especially if you're in a rush or like a little bit of a rush, you should never feel rushed in the morning. But, uh, you know, a couple seconds of deep breathing, if you have some more time, you could do, you know, long periods of meditation, you could do yoga, but also you can do things that are just like calming to you if you're not a super spiritual person, right? You can go on a walk, you could wash yeah. the dishes, you can do laundry. Um, so you have so many different options to immediately come from a place of calm. Mm-hmm. And we have O. So, okay, Tony, um, tell me something that you accomplished yesterday. Yesterday? Mm, let's see. Yesterday. What did I accomplish? Oh, I uh, cleaned my entire room. So that was nice. Nice. Okay, yeah. Some little things like that. That's great. Um, so O stands for openness, right? And what you and I did was you can either open up to yourself, which I'll get into in a second, or you can open up to another person. Yeah. So there are so many different things you can do to open up. Uh, like you can wish someone a happy birthday. You can say, hey, I miss you. You can say, hey, I love you. Or you can say to somebody, uh, hey, like what did you achieve today? I did this. You could say, I'm grateful for you. Um, or you can say something that you're afraid of. Like, hey, by the way, I've been thinking about this. Like, does this scare you too? say all that to another person, or you can do something that I do, which is journal. So journaling, writing down things that I'm grateful for, writing down my accomplishments, just like you did. Um, writing down like a reflection of what's going on in my day and an expectation of what I want to happen the next day. Yeah. So that's all about openness. And the main reason for that is in order to overcome stress and anxiety, like we want to really get things out of our heads and our brains we want to get them out into the world. So by simply writing things down or talking about them to other people, it's going to give us that release that we really need. Yeah. So that's O. Um, I won't make you get up and run up and down, but that's what I usually do. But M stands for movement. 
And this yeah. one's extremely popular. I don't think we need to dive too deep into this, but exercising in the morning is a great way to start the day. For me, it yeah. literally turns on my brain and my body. And yeah. that's, uh, it could be a, a walk again. It could be a run. It could be a weightlifting session. It could be high intensity interval training. Um, but basically, yeah, it's just a way to, to turn on the batteries and, and hit the on switch. Yeah. So that's sure. M. Um, F stands for funny. This is actually my favorite one because <laughs> so many of us, our first form of media that we digest in the morning is the news. And yeah. I say, you know, like you turn on CNN, right? And you see the news, which is filled with tragedy and devastation and conflict, right? Yeah. But I, I argue that you should turn on a PNN a positive news network that's filled with laughter and smiles and yeah. funny videos and memes and people yeah. are awesome videos. Soldier comes home from war videos, you know, like yeah. that really warm your heart so yeah. that you are approaching the rest of the day coming from a place of joy and optimism rather than one of, you know, pessimism. Right. So yeah. the thing about funny in the morning is, is there are certainly serious things that happen in life. Right. Yeah. But the way to respond rather than react impulsively to them is to not take ourselves too seriously. So I think that's what you get out of focusing on something funny or fun every single morning. Yeah, for and sure. And then finally um, is why. So Tony, tell me, just tell me like a hobby of yours that has nothing to do with your professional life. Golf. I love golf. golf. Right. So your why, uh, which stands for you or your, your passion or your choice mm -hmm. is something that you're going to focus on in the morning that you truly want to do rather than have to do. Right. So maybe you won't be able to get a whole round in, in the morning. Right. But yeah. you hit, you hit 30 balls at the range. Right. Or maybe you watch chipping videos. Maybe you watch a little, who's your favorite golfer? Ricky Fowler. Maybe you do a little Ricky, right. You, you see how he, He's uh, hopefully can finally grab a major this upcoming <laughs> Let's week. hope. But uh, yeah, so you do something basically that, that ends your morning routine focused on, again, um, something that you want to do rather than what you have to do going into the rest of the day. And yeah. by the way, um, I'm, headed, I'm going two days to the open at Bethpage. It's uh, literally like right in my backyard. Um, lucky. I'll be, at, I'll be at the PGA on Tuesday and Thursday next week. That's which, awesome. Yeah. Make sure you send me some pictures. Yeah, I will. Be awesome. I will. Yeah, I actually, um, I actually got to meet Ricky at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Really? When they were down here, yeah. So one of my buddies, he, um, his dad's like on the committee for Bay Hill, so we got us pro am caddy badges. And so we didn't actually caddy, but we got to go on the putting green and stuff. And so yeah. Ricky was out there signing autographs, and then afterwards yeah. took a picture with him at his bag. Cool. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. He's a nice guy, I heard, right? Yeah, he is pretty nice. He's really yeah, nice. Yeah, he seems cool. Right. Him, he's got that band, or they used to have a band. I think it was him, Bubba Watson. Uh, I've heard about it, but I've never yeah, really looked into yeah. it. Yeah, they, look, they just seem like they're having fun out there, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, sure. anyway, I, I hope he can grab a major at some point because he deserves it at this point. But yeah, you know, I guess now that Tigers won at 43, Ricky has a lot of years left to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Anyway, could talk about <laughs> golf all day long. Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to what we were talking about. Yeah. All right. So now that we've talked about all of that, yeah, let's uh, let's transition over to the e-commerce side, since that's kind of what this collection's about. So talk about um, 
your coaching with, with cloud nine living, you know, talk a little bit more how that started, um, how you kind of got connected within yourself to do that. And then yeah. talk about, you know, the, the most important thing about it is you could go and do something that you love for a long time, but at the end of the day, you got to make money somehow. So how do you monetize this thing? Right. So the monetization quite simply comes from speaking and coaching books at this point in my life um, are not going to be extremely lucrative mm -hmm. because it's just, it's, you have to sell a lot of books because yeah. they're only what $10 and you get 70% of that at the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah. So it's, it, it comes basically the books are, uh, meant for what comes from it and that is the coaching and the speaking so for me by the way tony i was the person who you said before you mentioned the money it was like i just want to impact people i don't care about money like i don't it doesn't matter to me i just want to you know make people smile i want to make people feel different right but it probably took me like three months until i heard a podcast of somebody say uh, money just makes you more of who you really are Yep. So to me, it was then with that, it really clicked like, okay, if I, if I pursue making more money, then first and foremost, I have more money to give away, which is like what I ultimately want to do, like and be very philanthropic, but also it allows me to go even deeper into writing. Like I can spend more money on my writing. I can spend more money on, on putting things out there for my audience. Right. So yep. that's when it really clicked that I needed to create a business out of this. Right. Yeah. So at first the coaching was simply me taking phone calls from people who, cause I put my, I put my phone number in the book and oh, yeah. I, I literally was just taking phone calls from people and after text messages and emails, obviously first, but uh, of them just saying like, can you help me create a morning routine? So at first it was a very simple, like, yeah, I'll, I'll chat with you and we'll create your morning routine or and then it turned into um, some of my talks I talked to like high schools for example and it wasn't only a morning routine but it was also here's your pregame ritual right before you go into a public speaking event or before you go into a big exam here's how you can use the COMFY in order to be less nervous before you do uh, that thing that is so nerve-wracking so people were asking me how to create their own comfy ritual right yeah. So that coaching was going well. And then I, I decided in September of, of 2018 to really sort of combine everything that I was doing with my business background and get a little bit more strategic with it. So I got a certification from Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Centered Coaching, where basically it's an executive coaching certification where you work with leaders and you use the people around the leader in order to evaluate the leader's performance. So it's very relationship-based. It's very human-centered. And that's what I was loving doing. That's what I've always loved to do. So I used that cert certification and I used the morning routine stuff and the positive mindset stuff to start coaching startup founders and people in positions of um, management at different companies. And I would work with them. And then that turned into, um, actually that didn't turn into the next part, but after that I had this whole cloud nine living idea that was coming up and I needed to, again, think about how I can make it lucrative and create a business out of it. So cloud nine living in, in my perspective, my cloud nine journey has all been about choosing what I wanted to do based on my gut, my heart and my intuition and fully going after it rather than choosing the route that would take me down 
uh, what society expected of me, right? So I, I deviated from the norm and I'm doing this entrepreneurial journey on my own. So what Cloud9 coaching is all about now is really an understanding of how you can create your, your Cloud9 life by following what it is that you truly desire most. And so many people don't know what that is. That's the hardest question. So to the best of my ability, I help them discover what their passions and purposes are and what they should ultimately be pursuing in order to get to that place of meaning and fulfillment. So that's the coaching I do now. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. A lot of it's career related. So yeah. it turns into career coaching. Um, and I did, I did a good bit of career related coaching when I was at Northwestern, when I was at Kellogg. So oh, okay. I feel, uh, yeah. So I, I've really thought a lot about how I can integrate all of my skills these days in order to put something out there that people want to be a part of. Yeah, for sure. So maybe I need to take your coaching after, uh, after asking you this question, but this is something that, that I've struggled with a lot lately. Yeah. And also, you know, you help people with it. So obviously mm -hmm. other people struggle with it as well. Yeah. Sometimes you can know when you're doing something that society expects of you and that's why you're doing it. And yeah. sometimes, you know, you're doing it because that's what you want to do and that's mm -hmm. who you are. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest problems that I run into is that I don't know, like the lines kind of blur, like, yeah. am I doing this because society expects it of me and, and this is who they want me to be yeah. or is this who I really am? And so uh -huh. talk a little bit about with your clients, how do you walk them through that? And then, you know, for somebody who hasn't had your coaching kind of just talk about how someone can tell, um, whether, you know, they're doing it out of a place of, I love to do this and I want to help people. Yeah. through this or you know whatever their reasons are for it it's it's for them and it's not for anybody else or mm -hmm. how do they know that maybe they're doing it for other people and not themselves yeah those are some intense and really really challenging questions yeah but uh i'll start with this before i get into my own coaching i listened to a talk the other day that kind of blew my mind right because here i am trying to help people find find their passions through this process that I've created. And then I heard this talk from an author named Elizabeth Gilbert and Elizabeth Gilbert wrote eat, pray, love. Yeah. Right. And I'll summarize her talk. Um, I'll summarize the whole thing as quickly as I can, but she basically said, I was a person who, after I wrote eat, pray, love, I got paid to go up on stage and tell people to follow their passion. Look what it did for me. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote. I knew that writing was everything for me. I came out with Eat, Pray, Love, and I've sold millions of copies. And I, that's what you have to do. You need to find that, that Eat, Pray, Love. You need to write. You need to dance. You need to do whatever it is and follow that one thing. And that's how you're going to be successful in life, by following that, that one thing. So Elizabeth Gilbert then said that she did one of those talks somewhere, and she got an email the next day or maybe even later that night from somebody who said I came to your talk expecting to make a change in my life and all you did was make me feel worse mm -hmm. and the reason you made me feel worse was because you talk about passion like it's something that's right in front of our eyes right passion is this thing where you you can't think about anything else It's the first thing you think about when you wake up it's the last thing before you go to sleep right yeah. And the email said, I am a, I'm a smart person. I'm a successful person. And I feel like if I knew that there was that one thing in my life that was right in front of my eyes, I would know what my passion is. 
but I don't think I have a passion. I think I either have multiple passions or I, I have multiple hobbies, but I don't really think I have an actual passion. So Elizabeth Gilbert thought more about this and she said, you know what, like, I think that a lot of the stress and anxiety in this world right now with so many people telling you to follow your passion actually comes from discovering what that passion is and the word passion itself. I think it's become this grandiose idea where if you, if you try to work so hard toward a passion and you can't find it, it's like the end of the world, right? So what Elizabeth Gilbert said and what I am trying to echo now is it's not about following your passion, but rather a, an easier way to look at it is to follow your curiosities, right? It's about you, Tony, like when you first started to like golf, right? It was, oh, it seems like a cool sport. Like, why don't I watch a little more of it, right? It's things that just turn your head a little bit where you're going to say, okay, let me read a couple articles about that or let me go to, a, let me go to an event, right? And it, you allow your curiosities to drive you in a certain direction of exploration. And once you explore, once you, you fully dive into whatever you were curious about, then I think it's safe to say whether or not you have found or haven't found a passion after that exploration period. And then ultimately, the more you get into that passion, the more it becomes a purpose and your life's mission, right? So that's just this grandiose idea of like, even if you're out there wanting to find a passion or thinking you have a passion or you don't even know what it is, like, don't think of it so much as this deep, desirable passion. Think of it just as something that you're curious about, right? And, and are you going to further explore it? So now to get to the second part of your question, which is what I do to help people, um, I'll give you a couple of the steps and I think they're a great way to start. So first and foremost, I think it's all about self-care coming from a place of self-awareness and who you are on the inside. That's where everything starts. So my first process is obviously called getting comfy and that's getting comfy with who you are by understanding um, how to come from a place of calm, how to come from a place of vulnerability with the openness, uh, making sure you're healthy with a healthy lifestyle, moving your body, what's coming into your body through nutrition and, and the foods that you eat, um, you know, laughing every single day, smiling every single day, making sure you're optimistic. And then obviously that last why part is, you know, some, you know, maybe a hobby that you love already. So you're going to discover that comfy routine and you're going to get comfy with who you are before you even approach finding a passion. Uh, or, you know, exploring your curiosity. So the next part is actually the trial phase where you're doing exactly that. You're following your curiosities, things that you love. You're reading articles. You're talking to people in the worlds that you want to explore. You're going to events, watching them on TV, um, watching documentaries, and that's the trial phase. So then actually I promote an error phase where you're doing things that you know you're not going to like. So for me, like I would go take like a salsa dancing class and experience something that I know is going to be miserable. But the point with these uh, error experiences is to actually understand what little pieces of it you can take from it, right? And transfer over to what you ultimately want to do. So it's all, it's all a learning process. And then lastly, um, if you're noticing a theme, I'm trying to incorporate everything that I've learned in my life. So the last part is the stakeholder-centered coaching model where you are as a person tony say you're the coachee you're asking people in your network whether it's your friends your family your coworkers, um mentors you're asking them the simple questions in order to understand 
more things about yourself, right? That you, that may be right in front of your face, but you don't always see them because you think it's just natural, right? So you're asking them, what are some of my best attributes? Like, what do you like the most about me? Where do you see me in five, 10 years? Like all the questions that you're told to ask yourself, like ask them to your sphere of influence, right? And try to assess those responses. And then after you've done those four things, I think you'll get a, a little bit clearer of a picture as to which direction you should be taking moving forward. For sure. I think that's great advice. And I've always thought about that. The last part that you said there about yeah. those simple questions that sometimes it's almost hard to be honest with yourself. And, mm -hmm. and also, you know, if you come from a place of, you know, maybe lacking some confidence. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you ask yourself a question of where do you see yourself in five years, you mm -hmm. might undershoot yeah. what your potential really is. And if you ask mm -hmm. somebody who was in your sphere of influence, they could really make you realize exactly, you know, how much potential you truly do have and hundred percent actually go um, yeah. compared to compared to what you think. And I heard something great about this um, in a podcast, maybe it was today or yesterday, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But basically this idea of and it was it was in regards to working out but um you know if you're working out and you're working out by yourself you know you'll push yourself to a certain limit but then if you're working out with other people and you see all of them doing more and more and more yeah you know, whether that's ego or whatever it is you naturally don't want to give up and so your body will will push more than what you thought you previously could do or, or what you thought you could do on your own and so um, so I think that kind of relates yeah. to that a little bit. And so yeah. that's a great point to add that, that other people, while we shouldn't always rely on, on other people's, you know, opinions, because then obviously, um, that can get it, become a hairy situation. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I think it's all about accountability there too. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was, have you ever taken those Myers-Briggs tests? It's been a while, but like, yeah. like the interest tests and all that stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Like what kind of personality are you? Yeah. I was always the kid who just like you, like I, you know, I thought I would always raise my hand and basically say like, aren't I answering based off of like who I either want to be or who I think I am right now, but I don't know if that's who I actually am. So yeah. what if we took these tests and we actually had the people who know us best fill them out. So who we actually are to other people is, is what we are assessed by. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the goal is to actually do that. Right. And you go up to somebody and you say, look, like no judgments. I, you can tell me good things. You can tell me bad yeah. things, but I'm looking to grow. And uh, if you want to just tell me, you know, what do you love about me? What do you hate about me? I, I literally had this conversation about an hour ago with a guy named Morgan Ingram. Yeah. Uh, this is one of his like things, his advice for how to live a cloud nine life is to have these conversations, these tough conversations where you might hear from your best friend something that you never expected and something that you don't want to hear. But what you're also going to hear is a lot of good stuff too. So the more you mix those and the more you realize your flaws and you realize your strengths, the more you're going to be able to apply those to whatever it is you want to continue to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think kind of another thing relating, relating to that, um, what we were just talking about, is a quote by Jay Shetty and it's it's a lot more popular now so you've probably Jay heard Shetty. it you've probably heard it now but I remember a couple months ago the first time I heard it like my mind was just blown and I was like oh my gosh it's so true but but the quote is I'm not who you think I am and I'm not who I think I am I am who 
I think you think I am. And so it's just this crazy. Yeah. It's and, crazy you, know, you might have to, you might have to rewind and listen to that quote again, but it's so true. Once you actually understand the quote, um, you know, kind of talking about, um, the question I asked you earlier, you know, knowing if it's something that you're doing for yourself or, you know, if you're doing it because of other people's expectations, mm-hmm. you know, so many times we'll do things based on what we think others, um, you know, what our thoughts of what their thoughts about us are. And so, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a, a really great, um, a really great point. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, you always are told ever since you're little, like, it doesn't matter what other people think of you, yeah. but the way that you approach the world is based off of how other people perceive you. Yeah. So you, you have to care what other people think of you at the end of yeah. the day exactly. for, for some things, you know, it's very situational, very circumstantial. Yeah. So sure. yeah, I, I love that quote. I love Jay Shetty. Yeah. So kind of going um, back to talking about, you know, your passion and following mm-hmm. your interests. Yeah. You know, you've had a lot of success with, you know, uh, your own startups and businesses that you've ran and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, was there ever a time that you tried to start a business purely out of the focus of trying to make money from it? And, and, you know, obviously you're not, you're not doing that now since you're doing cloud nine. So I presume if that did happen, then it probably didn't go that well, but was there ever a time that happened and, and, you know, talk about the difference in you know, your drive and motivation and, your success level with doing something that you were doing, um, you know, specifically for, for a greed reason and something that you were actually connected to. Yeah. So can I actually tell you about a non entrepreneurial experience? Go for it. Yeah. So I, I think this kind of shows the, the juxtaposition of doing something that I really wanted to do versus doing something that was based off of the, the, financial reward right Mm -hmm. so after my master's program i said that i went into a leadership and and management program at a restaurant group oh okay and the reason i did that i think deep down now i know deep down Mm -hmm. was not really because i was following a quote-unquote curiosity or passion into the restaurant world i think it was more so because of what other people said about the position yeah. You know, I heard it was the Goldman Sachs of the restaurant industry, uh, right? So yeah. there's number one, it was all about the prestige. Mm-hmm. It was all about coming from a place of power, number two. So I was a 23-year-old kid who was going to be leading people in the restaurant world who were some of them three times my age, yeah. right? That was number two. And then number three, um, I was getting paid very well and I was put, you know, I didn't have to pay rent. I was in an apartment in New York city, a beautiful apartment. Um, so with all those perks, it was very difficult to say no to something that I believed was going to be my passion. Well, I, I had to understand and learn the hard way that passions and curiosities and hobbies don't always pan out. But, um, even, even in thinking that I was following a passion, there were still these underlying causes, these underlying factors that drew me to the position that I ultimately took. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had other offers in the restaurant world where I would be leading people. I would be at a prestigious company, but the, the salary was twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 less. And I chose the highest salary, right? Because it was something I said to myself, I didn't care about, but clearly it was something 
that I cared about yeah. going into it. I mean, as so a, there, as a and obviously, kid. obviously, you all now can see from my story that that was an experience that I ultimately left after just a few short months, which felt like really long months. Yeah. So it just goes to show, like whether it's a entrepreneurial endeavor that is solely rooted in financial reward or a life choice uh, of career perfect ambition solely rooted in financial reward, like going the traditional route is what I wanted to say there, um, solely rooted in financial reward. I think there are so many other factors that are going to come into play that you don't even know about yet, especially for people who are, you know, closer to your and my age uh, yeah. so early on in their journeys. Yeah, for sure. All right. I know we're coming up on like an hour here for this interview. So I got a couple more yeah. questions for you. Yeah, let's um, do it. So um, my kind of my last question based around cloud nine is mm -hmm. to you, what is a, what is a cloud nine life? Yeah. So I asked that question to so many people. So it's, it's hard to differentiate sometimes between yeah. just putting all of their responses into one versus what I truly think is a cloud nine life. Yeah. So I'll, t I'll just speak to the book itself a little bit, which is actually a fiction book. Mm -hmm. um, so within the book, I tell a story about a guy who is in his later years in his life and he is alone, he's depressed, he's isolated from the rest of the world. And throughout the book, uh, I show two different timelines. Um, one is his past, his real past, where he has made these decisions that are based off of what society expects of him and what the people around him expect and tell him to do rather than what he actually wants to do. But then I also show this visualized dream state where he is on and living his cloud nine life, where he relives those real life scenarios, but there's a little bit of a change because ultimately he decided to choose based on his heart and his intuition and his gut rather than based off of what the people around him told him to do or what society expected him to do. So it's pretty evident throughout the book that my opinion on the cloud nine life is one in which you are making decisions off of the story that you want to craft in your future, right? You are just like we mentioned in the beginning, you are fearing the what if more than you actually fear the what. It's great. And I, I said this in my, TED, in my TEDx talk that I gave, but uh, my greatest fear in life is that on my last day on this earth, the person who I became will meet the person that I could have become. And it's so terrifying to think that I can go through life just going through the motions, right? And being by the book. Yep. Whereas I could have this extraordinary life just like I am now, meeting so many new people, living according to impact rather than monetary gain, right? And, and all these things that truly light me up um, and allow me to live on cloud nine. So in a very... I'll end a very long answer with a very simple phrase. And I think cloud nine is your interpretation of life and living according to that plan rather than the plan of anybody else. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, that, that hypothetical scenario that, that you gave, I don't know if you got it from him, but Ed Milet talks about that all the time. You know, the last person you become. Yeah. I think that yeah. that's drifted around places. I didn't get it from him. I got it from actually a guy on medium, Zdravko's Sviatek. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of my, that's one of my favorite things that Ed oh, talks amazing. about is, yeah. is on your last day, you know, uh, he's a super spiritual person uh, and religious person. So he talks about going to heaven and, mm-hmm. and his worst nightmare is, you know, um, going up there and seeing, you know, who he was and, and trying to be the same exact person as who he's going to meet. Yeah. Um, so, so powerful, really powerful to think like that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I have one last question for you before yeah, I ask you, before I ask you that, just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I know this interview has taken quite a while, but uh, loved every minute of it. It's been great. And I know that um, the people listening, they're going to really enjoy it as well. So I uh, really appreciate you taking out the time out of your day. Cause I know you're busy. Um, yeah. Really appreciate you taking out the time to come on the show. Well, thank you, man. And I appreciate you being willing to, reach out to somebody out of the blue, invite them on the show. And I'm super grateful for the questions that you asked. I think that's what's led to the the awesome conversation. So thank you. I, I truly appreciate every interview I do, but you know, this one, this one has gone super well. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. So my last question for you is a hypothetical scenario. Yeah. Um, if you listen to, if you listen to Lewis house, you probably know it. Mm-hmm. Cool greatness. So it's the question he asks every guest at the end so it's the three truths yeah you might know it but in case for anybody uh for anybody listening that doesn't know what the three truths are is basically it's just this hypothetical scenario where it's your last day on earth and you know you've accomplished all the goals you've wanted to and you've lived your cloud nine life and you've helped all these people that you wanted to help basically everything you've ever wanted to do you've accomplished but for some reason at the end of your last day when you pass away everything that you've ever created um, will be completely erased and nobody has anything to remember you by, um, except for the three things that you write down on the piece of paper that are next to you. So what are those three truths? Yeah. Um, I love that. He always asks that question and I'm kind of glad I thought I've listened to him and thought about what I would say if, you know, I visualize myself on the Lewis house podcast one day. Um, so I'm glad I get to at least rehearse or practice now. And uh, it's basically what I thought about when I left my corporate job and and had to think about what I was going to do next with the rest of my life. So truth number one is it's all about relationships. It's all about your friends. It's all about your family. It's all about the people you meet along the way. So you have to constantly grow. You have to constantly build. You have to constantly nurture every single relationship that you have. Number two, building on that is every single relationship has to be coming from a place of adding value. So one of my key mottos is to add value without expecting anything in return. And I think that is the best way that you are going to have the relationships that you want in your life. And the last thing, especially for this Emerging Entrepreneurs podcast, is there is no greater joy than building something that is your own. And building something that is your own, that involves relationships, and that involves impact on other people, well, that is, that is the absolute dream. Like those combined are, are the three truths. And like that one is the one truth that I would even leave too. So there it is. Yeah, for sure. Definitely can attest to that last one. Um, in less than a month, it's already going to be one year. It wow. felt like, Congratulations. It's about like one month. Yeah. Crazy, <laughs> so right? How, how fast that part of your life can go. Yeah, exactly. And then also like you just graduated from school, like, Yep. How fast that can go, right? Exactly. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jordan. So 
Um, one last thing, if we want to connect with you, we want to get your book, we want to find out more about you. How can we do that? Yeah. So really simple. The, uh, it's journey to cloud com, and that's all spelled out journey to cloud com. You can find anything you want to know on there about me, about the cloud nine living, about anything we talked about. And the one thing also that I'll ask is if you want to receive a little dose of daily happiness, put your email in and every Tuesday and Thursday, I send you a 90 second clip that we we're talking about somebody literally talking about the happiest they've ever been. So it's that simple. Head over to the website, reach out to me. I answer every email, call, LinkedIn message. Um, and I would love to continue the conversation. For sure. All right, Jordan, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you made it this far, I know that you got a lot out of this episode, just like I have from this interview with Jordan. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I learned so much from that episode with Jordan. I had a blast interviewing him. I felt like we could talk and talk for hours. Make sure that you guys get connected with Jordan. Go find him on LinkedIn. Just search his name, Jordan Gross. The link is also down in the show notes. And go to his website, journeytocloud9.com to learn even more about what he's doing with his online business and how he is helping people everywhere. Make sure you stay up to date with all podcast info by following me on Instagram at Tony McGeehee and on Facebook at Emerging Entrepreneurs Podcast. The links are in the notes below. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear from more guests like this. Also, leave a rating and review and share the episode with a friend. Thank you again so much for listening to this episode of Emerging Entrepreneurs. Now, it's your time to emerge.